From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is YouTuber, author, and spiritualist, Ashley Adamson. Welcome, Ashley Adamson. Hi. Hello. (laughs) The one that I love to start with is, how did you choose your name? I actually started with this name called Taylor. And I think I chose it because I was non-binary at the time. And I thought, hey, like, here's a name that can be simultaneously feminine and masculine. And that seems like a great start. But immediately, I think one of my trans friends said this, you're not a tailor. It's too, it's too, uh, (laughs) it's too white of a name. (laughs) I'm half Asian. I'm half Chinese and half British. And, um... They, yeah, they were just like, I don't know if it's vibing for you. You need a new name. So I was like, all right, all right. That, so then um, I did a spreadsheet for non-binary names, and that ended up with Ash on that list. My girlfriend at the time was a huge fan of Pokemon, and she thought it was cool, and I thought it was pretty cool. It's three letters. My old name was three letters. Uh, but then I find out, found out that I'm a trans woman, so uh, I... I realized I needed to do something for myself as a signature to indicate to my subconscious and to commit further to this path of mm-hmm. embracing my femininity. And so I, I thought, hey, well, Ashley is actually like a very easy name to transition into because I'm currently Ash. And there was even some hesitance there, even though I was like, I'm a woman, because of the... Um, the next step of embracing my own femininity. In all my videos, I go, hi, I'm Ashley Adamson. Mm-hmm. And so when I do this, it's less for the audience and it's more for me to actualize and embody this future powerful version of myself into who I am in the present moment. Mm. And so I'm calling the future now. It's funny when I do it now because I actually just feel like I am the now that I was in the future. (laughs) You know, being such an influencer now and being someone who's trying to spread a lot of the knowledge that you've gained and, you know, help people through the hard times that you've already been through, who was it that you looked to when you were starting your transition? Did you have a particular role model or confidant to look to? Uh, So Instagram was definitely a motivator. I think that suddenly Samantha was a very obvious pick. She was kind of like one of the first trans people that I found on Instagram and seeing her progress and what she was doing helped me, helped encourage me to kind of like tell my story and to kind of take those steps. Casey Blake was another one, you know, she was doing her thing and I was like, oh my God, she's doing her thing. Like (laughs) maybe I'll do my thing. Those were kind of like my first trans touch points for sure. (laughs) And um, it, it was cool to develop as a as a, a, a figure and a speaker to eventually be able to collaborate with Samantha on one project that I had called the Trans Resilience Project. Um, so it was nice to actually get to meet and then like work with some of my my uh, my my uh, the people that I was fans with. Um, the Trans Resilience Project has like twenty different uh, Instagram figures that I eventually collaborated with. And it was just like, let me pick all of the people that I look up to and have an excuse to talk to them. And that was that was it. So what were some of the key fears that you ran into during your transition and how did you overcome those? 
I think like the biggest challenge for me has always been allowing myself the space to be who I am because there is this internal regulator that prevents me sometimes from embracing and being that person. And I hear this a lot from other trans people. I call it the the gatekeeper. It's essentially the part of you that you can feel sometimes locks away or holds back the part of you that wants to come out and wants to embrace being who you are in all of your femininity or if you're embracing masculinity, masculinity. Um, and uh, working with the gatekeeper and figuring out how to work around him and get into a place where I can just be out of the cage mm-hmm. was probably like the hardest thing. Yeah, there's like all of these external factors as well. But the biggest challenge, I think, personally, the, the biggest mountain was the thing inside that I had to climb and get past of. And I think this is this is because this mountain becomes bigger the later you transition just because your internal gender schematic uh, is like harder to work through because because you have more formations of what it means to be one gender or the other. Mm -hmm. I found it interesting when you were explaining it just now that you gendered the gatekeeper gatekeeper as a he. Um, And do do you think that 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 there's a lot of significance to that? What what does that mean for you that 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 gatekeeper in your mind is gendered male. Yeah, so um, my gatekeeper manifested, I had one specific instance where I actually confronted the gatekeeper and this was the point in which I realized he was there. Uh, I had, I was lying on the floor of a, of a, of a, a theater that um, had projected these, these, uh, these seeds that would float across the sky and suddenly turn into like grow into a plant and and then eventually die and i saw a a a rose seed grow into a rose bloom and then start the petals start to fall and then everything die and when i saw that it clicked um i am a rose there is a prime moment and then that moment starts to fade as the rose blooms into its beauty and then it dies and when i saw that it kind of just hit me in a way that made me realize my own finality and my own temporariness in my own life and so uh i realized that there's a part of me holding myself back that's not allowing myself to live and be and what i already know i am and i said to myself we need to talk we need to talk right now because i cannot do this anymore so i closed my eyes i went inside and i found this um i found like this this samurai who kind of like jumped out at me (laughs) and like struck with like this sword and it was kind of like kung fu uh where I had to kind of deflect and kind of like push back on his own aggressiveness. Um, and so that was, that was where a conversation unfolded, where I said something to the tune of, um, we've already become her, why do we need to stop her from actualizing and coming out? And the response was basically, uh, we don't want to fully allow her to come out because if we do, then we make you truly vulnerable which means that mm. if you get misgendered, if you get um, 
put or made put down or made fun of for who you are, at least they don't actually see who you are. And so you are protected. So it was like this, this, this ego protection thing of, of not fully allowing myself to be who I was so that if anyone ever misgendered me or saw me in a way that was non-passing or insulting because I was non-passing at the time, I was protected. It was a self-protection mechanism. And I said to him, hey, like, uh, we've, already, we've already changed our name. We've already changed our pronouns. We're already taking our hormones. Let's just do this because why waste time? Like, we're only living once. Uh, we are at that point of being a rose. And we should, we should be beautiful and live in that rather than hide. And uh, that was the point in which he actually melted into my own body and tra- and turned into um kind of like this uh, princess that that um, I, I get described as a geisha by some people and it, it kind of looks like that she had like blossoms and stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah it was a he but it's actually kind of a she <laughs> <laughs> i still experience masculine parts myself when i tap into parts of my own inner power and I don't know if that'll ever go away or if I need that to go away, but there are just parts of me that I feel like I can recall that um, uh, potent with masculinity that if I ever need to call on are there. And it's just somewhat of one of those like superpowers that you have when you've, you've experienced one or the other for so long. So if I ever need to defend myself or protect myself, I have an aspect that can move fast and, and be a warrior. So, you know, what uh, we talked about the, the fears and, and, and those kind of things holding you back. Does it uh, bring up anything different to ask what kind of uh, hurdles that you ran into? Um, you know, probably, I guess, more external than, you know, e- either in starting HRT, um, moving forward with any surgeries or um, anything in your friends and family or work circles. I mean, there's, there's a lot of hurdles, but I, I feel like I moved through them pretty quickly. Um, and I think a lot of that was just due to the fact that I had set myself up for success before I began my transition. Um, I was already financially stable. I was able to uh, live independently, and um, I had a rich... Um, support network of trans people as well as um, cis people uh, who were just good friends. And I feel like, like when I look back at most of the pain, it was just like, is this ever going to work out? Uh, Am I ever going to be accepted? Am I ever going to be seen as who I want to be? And am I ever going to be loved and, and found by someone that will love me back? Mm-hmm. Those were sort of the, the main struggles. Of course, there were things like my dad um, was not accepting of it uh, at first. And I had a lot of friends disappear um, who were just like not on board for it. Not because I think they were like, oh, like I'm not, I'm, I'm like anti-trans, but more along the lines of we were brothers. And now that you're a woman, our dynamic has changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're just not the same kind of friends so they kind of faded away I definitely seeked out female relationships because 
uh, women are just more embracing of you being transgender mm-hmm. and, and, and embracing me as, as, as a woman. And yeah. it's so validating to have other women validate you because in a way they are the most authentic women. When you are new to your experience and you are seeking to, to find validation, if another woman is embracing you and being like, yeah, you can wear makeup and you can look like this and let's go shopping and stuff like that. It's just incredibly validating. I feel like my dynamic with women completely changed. It, it does feel like a door opens. There's a lot less suspicion. Um, there's a lot less like, oh, is this person trying to get with me or are they trying to actually be a friend? For better or worse, I've been automatically friend zoned. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's what's happening with male friends is now they're they're worried about that. Like, would would you as a woman now come on to them would they be attracted to you things like that yeah you know i i i think that's a possibility when you're kind of later and more comfortable in your transition but i think for the first year and a half i was very much in a rocky place in terms of where i stood i was unsure of myself i didn't have a lot of confidence i felt lost i didn't know where things were going and uh, it was it was hard for me uh, to to find a, a path forward. Um, and so I didn't have really much dating confidence and mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of um, I while I was interested in other people. It was just um, it, I, I don't think I would have been, be, been able to kind of progress or move any of that along. But I think that's. I think that is kind of true, I, and I think men may feel about this more particularly about like uh, like 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 hetero men being afraid of being hit on by gay men, yeah, and um, that kind of extending to uh, trans women in some respects. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what the tie is, but I could see that as a possible connection for someone. And like, there's this whole bumpy move. Uh, when you're transitioning, where you're still kind of, you haven't changed your voice, you haven't changed a lot of your mannerisms, and it's all kind of moving together as one big clunky kind of rolling, like, oh my god, I'm trying to figure this out, you know? Well, you know what, Um, another thing, yeah, I'm just kind of thinking back to the video we just played, that the, you know, the inner transphobia that that we feel that um, kind of holds ourselves back, I feel like you touched on it there. I think men have an ingrained homophobia that, you know, it's not okay to be feminine or to, to cross any, these sort of lines with other guys and all this stuff, or, you know, show emotions to other guys. I think it's created this kind of inner homophobia. And then, you know, we transition. It's just like, it's, it's, I think it starts to bubble up some of that. Yeah, definitely touches on that. And it's interesting you mentioned that because for me personally, that was probably one of the harder things in figuring out that I was trans was that I never allowed myself to embrace my femininity for fear of being read as a gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that the that I knew in my heart of hearts that I was not gay. But if I expressed any of my femininity, I would be read as gay. Mm-hmm. It's it's I feel so dumb for not putting two and two together and just saying, wait, okay, so you want to express femininity, but you don't want to be read as gay. Have you considered 
just expressing femininity as a woman and then suddenly you're not gay anymore. <laughs> and uh, that never really occurred to me. And uh, I, th I think this touches on another thing, which I just want to mention because it's an interesting thought, which is um, I, I made a video about um, autogynephilia and a lot, some people who, like, I guess don't like me will say, well, you're just like a, a person who is afraid of being homosexual. And uh, the thought that I have on that is if I was so afraid of being homosexual, then why did I become a trans woman, which is far more scarier than mm -hmm. being homosexual? Um, and so I think at the end of the day, while I was afraid of being read as a gay man, what I was more afraid of is being seen as something that I was, truly was not and being mislabeled when I expressed and became my most my more authentic version of me. Mira says, I'm not entirely sure the best way to word this, but has moving to Europe during transition made things easier or harder for your transition? Germany is definitely not easier to be trans in than it was in America, um, at least, or in California and Port and Oregon, which is where I was based before. Mm. Because um, you can basically just do informed consent and then you can get your hormones. And then to change your gender marker, it's a lot easier to do the paperwork. And to get any, like, to get surgery covered, if you can get, like, say, a vaginoplasty, which is something that I'm looking at right now, um, but I'm kind of 50-50 on it, but I'm starting the paper process because it takes two years before I can get, like, an okay to, to actually have surgery. In America, it's like you can just go to a psychologist, speak to them once, and then get the paperwork signed to say, yep, she's good to go if you've been on hormones long enough and all of that. Yeah. Um, so uh, coming to Germany, I had to, uh, I had to go to a psychologist to say that I was trans, even though I've been on hormones for over two and a half years. Hmm. Um, I had, and I've been living full time, I had to go to a psychologist to write transsexualism, you know, <laughs> and then I could go to a doctor who said, okay, I can prescribe you hormones, but they don't even have uh, injectables here. Like it's not accessible. And that's what I use. And that's what I stick to because I find it so much more convenient <laughs> to have to just inject once a week rather than take a pill every day and think to myself, am I swallowing too much of it? Did it dissolve in my mouth? I have a Ukraine source that I get and shipped in through a complicated triangulation system. So that way it gets through customs because customs doesn't allow hormones to be shipped into, into Germany, apparently from, from Ukraine. So I, I get a made they're They're made, they're made by Ukraine trans woman. Who's like super aggro against like the healthcare establishment. Um, but she does a good job. She runs this amazing forum where they, they're like basically all trans scientists and chemists. And like, I think there's no better place for uh, getting like very detailed molecular information on studies related to being a tra trans woman and stuff like that. So I find it an incredible resource. So yeah, so being trans in Germany is definitely harder, but it's not impossible. Uh, and as far as like dating in in Berlin, it's much better than dating in Portland or um, 
for San Francisco. Los Angeles maybe is really good. I don't know. I haven't spent enough time dating there. Okay. But definitely San Francisco and Portland did not have the same kind of... Like, I, I date women and men. Um, and in, in Berlin, I found that I get a lot more interesting dates because there's a lot more variety of people that live here. I'm, I'm doing a lot. I like the, my partner to be doing a lot too. Yeah. Uh, and so going to a, a bigger city, you kind of find that same personality of, oh, I'm working on this or I'm doing that. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I found. So yeah, Berlin dating is way better. And that's something that I do like. And it also makes it possible for me to just meet people from many different places because it's so international. I am lucky enough to kind of like be able to support myself. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if I run into roadblocks, I, um, I'm able to find ways in which I can overcome those. Like I couldn't get breast surgery covered and I had a flight to go back to the United States for FFS, which no one's ever going to cover, it seems. Yeah, I, I was able to sneak in breast surgery while I was over in the United States. So another video that I saw that you had, and I didn't have a chance to uh, look into that one yet, but since you mentioned dating, the the video title I, I think was oh, so I, I like dick question mark. That's my most popular video last okay. month. They they love it. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's got the grabby headline. Um, was that something that that surprised you that changed because of your transition, or was it something that that was sort of that lied dormant there, or that you actually even had experimented with a little bit before transitioning? Okay, so I I never dated any men before I transitioned, and it was only until a year onto hormones that I realized, okay, um, I need to date men. Well, I was a hormonal thing and a gender euphoria thing. I think like I got to a point where hormones after a year had kind of like become a part of my own experience. I was really starting to get used to embracing my femininity and I was getting in touch more energetically with people. And what I found is I am a shapeshifter uh, and my form changes based on the form of the other person that I'm connecting with. Hmm. And what I found to be most uh, engaging for me was uh, a man who saw me as a woman and was attracted to me. And that gave me more space in actually embodying what they were seeing. So I may not see exactly what I want to be or feel like in the mirror because I believe and experience myself to be some way. Mm -hmm. But by experiencing just being around the man who is attracted to me and sees me as a woman enabled my own ability to perceive myself uh, as what they were perceiving me as. It was like having a sip of their perception, which allowed me to uh, shift and change my own internal dialogue and my own internal perception of who I was. The day I realized that I needed to start dating men was I had like just put on my makeup and I had got in the car and I was in a lift. I was late to work and the lift driver was flirting with me. And he, I, he was this really big, like got macho guy. And I was like, oh, like, hello. And you're flirting with me. Ooh, this feels good. And then at that point, I was like, okay, I need to date men. I need to try this. So I dated a man. I went on a date with a man that I met on OkCupid. He was wonderful. He was 
very swoony. He was a little bit more old school. And he kind of like held the umbrella as we walked through the rain and kind of held me close to him and all of that. And uh, it was just a wonderful experience. It was my first date. It was the most validating thing that I'd ever felt in terms of my gender euphoria. And after that, I just knew like, there's no going back. Like when I put my hand on his uh, hand as he was driving away in, and we were in the car and it was raining. I was like, this is, this is the thing that I've been release, uh, missing in the dynamic in a relationship that I did not know that I was missing hmm. and I need this. And I think that um, is indicative of my own comfort and my own femininity and embodying it to a point where I no longer feel like I'm engaging my older neural pathways of being a man attracted to women. And I, I see just just mentioned like having a hard time trusting someone because a man is could obviously be a chaser. Mm. And yeah, like I get that. I think that's definitely some like a part of the navigation of being trans is like who's a chaser and who's not. Um, but I think there's this gray area that you can navigate where they may prefer trans women or they are trans women attracted, but they are not um, eroticizing you in a way where they don't also acknowledge you as a woman. I think like being able to detect and distill and figure that out, it um, can kind of like help you navigate the dating world. Because I mean, the guy that I dated for that first date, he, he, thought that a trans woman is hot and I'm like great I'm I'm a trans woman you find me hot that's great but you also like are engaging with me in a way that doesn't make me feel like I'm just fetishized I've made my mistakes and more recently I had a date with a guy who just went straight for my genitals uh as soon as we were alone and I was just like get the fuck out yeah <laughs> yeah, you that know? was going to be my comment. Is I, I would assume that if if it's a, a fetishized, if it's a, the person's coming at you from a fetishized perspective, they um, they want to get to sex as soon as possible. If that's all they're thinking yeah, about, you know, they're trying you know to get to your genitals pretty quickly, or they want to give you head. Um, uh, I would be suspicious. Like I'm okay with with receiving head, but if that's like the first thing they want to do, or that's the first thing they go for, I'm like. I don't know if you're going to be good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it seems like in your Instagram photos, you um, kind of, forg forgive me for saying this, if this um, crosses anything, but it seems like you are proud of the fact that you're um, uh, pre-GCS. Like, you, you're proud of your body and, you know. Talk? What's that? Because I don't talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, you yeah. know, your, your superhero photo seems to kind of show you off as you are, and it seems like you're you're quite proud of that. Um, and now you're talking about GCS. Has something shifted as you've moved along your transition, or was this something that was always in the back of your mind as as potential? But you found a way to love and embrace the body you had in the meantime. I'm not a hundred percent on whether I do want GCS, but what I do know is it takes two years of going to a therapist before I can get okay for GCS. And I have a psychic that I speak to, who I'm actually speaking to tomorrow. Um, and she told me a year ago, like, you're going to get uh, a, a vagina. And I was like, what? And she's like, forget about it. It's too far out. You're not ready to hear that. <laughs> but, uh, 
uh, it kind of like made me realize, hey, wait a second, like, what is the path that I'm on? Where am I going? Has it been this thing where I've just said I can't process the whole uh, vagina question because I have too many other things to process and I've just suppressed that, like I suppressed the fact that I was trans or that I was a woman for so long? Mm -hmm. Is it one of those things where I'm just like, I can't, I can't handle or even cross that bridge at this moment? I am a personality type that is obsessive and also a perfectionist and um, I'm self-aware of that. And so um, my personality is to chip away and to make things better and to make things better. And so that comes with the benefit of always finding ways to overcome obstacles and hurdles and set myself up for being able to do the next thing. Um, like I'm, I'm three years in my transition and I've moved cities twice and I've like done a lot of my past where I've changed careers and started businesses and things like that. And I am like, I am a machine when it comes to overcoming my obstacles um, because that perfection obsessiveness of how can I do this better? How can I make my life better and do that makes me like almost like not sleep. Like I get up at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking because I want to do this because yeah. this is how I make myself better right now. For me, I think that my personality would naturally lead me towards getting a vagina because I look at myself and say, okay, I've done everything and I have now stepped into it completely. But what is the last thing that's kind of holding me in this past self and and kind of becoming a blocker to just being completely seen no matter what? I think I actually have tr uh, trans porn to thank for me not having a lot of dysphoria with it because before I identified as trans, I did like look at porn and trans porn was one of the things I looked at and I thought, whoa, these women are hot and, you know, they have what they have. And now that I have become a woman, I'm like, you know what, like this is hot, like I can be hot like this. What is the key piece of advice that you would give to trans or non-binary uh, people out there who are, are young or closeted coming looking towards transition now if i were to condense into something i would just say that there's a lot of uh, hidden hiddenness to your own uh sense of who you are and this is for everyone cis or trans or what have you and um when you are born into this world that tells you who you are and you naturally take on these forms that are created around you and embed them within your consciousness and your psyche, you kind of perpetuate and, and, and further create them because you've assimilated into society in such a shape and form. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you openly accept these, especially when you're impressionable as you go through your childhood into teenagehood, et cetera, et cetera, you can lose parts of who you are and, and, and uh, not actually know um, the distinction between what is manufactured by society and created around you and what you've just taken on and identified as versus what is innately who you are. But like, I think the, the, the root of it is you need to always ask questions about who, who are you and is that really you or is that something that has been manufactured for you and you have just latched your identity to that 
Well, thank you so much for being here, sharing so much of your story. I'm glad we got a chance for you to plug your book and what you're doing, because I think you're doing amazing things. And I look forward to what what you do here in the future. It's been a pleasure to do this. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's so cool to interact with people in this live environment. I've, it's been awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse. You can also find it and our other great shows at youtube.com slash the transverse. Be sure to follow our guest Ashley on YouTube at Ashley X Adamson. If you love what we're doing and want to support the transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the transverse. <laughs>